Hi, welcome to the podcast of the Redheaded Preacher. And I am the Redheaded Preacher. My name is Richard Lanford. I'm the pastor of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. We are an open and affirming congregation within the United Church. And this message is preached on May 16th, 2021, during a hybrid worship service. The texts are Psalm 1 and 1 John 5, 9 through 13, and John 17, 6 through 19. But the message really is grounded in Psalm 1. It's called A Tree Grows in Skokie. And when you hear the scriptures, you can get an idea about where this is going. Uh, before going any further, as I have taken to doing several times uh, recently, please join me in the spirit of prayer if you are able to. God of mercy, God of strength, God who saves us by grace, yet calls us to follow in discipleship. May your spirit move as we hear this podcast. May the words from scripture and the words from the redheaded preacher strike a chord in us, build up our faith, make us better servants of yours. To the glory of your holy name, and in your name we pray. Amen. So, here we go. Our lector today is Peter Svensson. Our first reading is that Old Testament lesson I mentioned. It is Psalm 1. This psalm compares the fate of the righteous with that of the wicked. Blessed are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield fruit in its season. And their leaves do not wither, and all that they do they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This ends the reading of Psalm 1. Our epistle lesson is from 1 John, as it has been the past several weeks. This is 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. John is writing about receiving or not receiving the testimony of God that is in his son, Jesus Christ. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his son. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. 
Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This ends the reading from the epistle. The gospel lesson this morning is John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. Part of what we sometimes call Jesus' high priestly prayer. Shortly before his death, he offers up petitions for the disciples whom he has protected throughout his ministry. Jesus prayed, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they may also be sanctified in truth. Here ends the reading from John 17 and our scriptures for today's service. May God grant us a faithful and glad understanding of this, God's holy word. Many of you will remember John France. For some time, he was almost a fixture in Skokie, and here is where he felt comfortable enough to join us for worship. John was not averse to raising his hand to make an announcement. Once he arose from his pew and, as an announcement, sang the chorus of Blue Suede Shoes. Another time he went up to the communion table uh, and fiddled with something like a bookmark and sang a little ditty. 
before worship, I thought that for these occasional interesting behaviors, among others, he was welcome and his attendance was frequent. I thought we were humbly to be commended for that, and, and I do. John was not always so harmless for some. One of his outbursts destroyed a neighboring parishioner's ability to stay in prayer. I think that happened more than once. And something else I keep confidential was brought to me. Both situations were addressed privately, I believe suitably and successfully. But John did eventually stop coming, and I have not seen him in Skokie for years. John lived with mental health challenges. His brother wrote to me once to give me some insight, and John himself penned letters, which usually ended, were in the offering plate, but sometimes mailed, which share, and they were directed to me, and they shared some of his story, his anguish at being mentally ill in Illinois. He taught me. He taught me that no one chooses to have a severe breakdown after getting a college degree and working on environmental impact statements, and then his life never being the same again. He taught me the suffering of being so powerless at the hands of not very responsive government institutions designed to help. He cried out because of the stigma he experienced and his inability to change that. I learned empathy and some respect for John. I was glad we were, as a whole, receptive, and that he felt welcome here, at least for a season in his life. I learned that this can also mean that we may have to firmly say, no, that's not appropriate, must, and it must stop. Well, since then, we briefly started to host a series run by NAMI. That's the National Alliance for Mental Illness. I hope after the pandemic is no longer that, they can come back to offer their services to families just like they started. Did you know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month? After the service, not during the sermon, please, check the back cover of your bulletin, paper or e-version, our denomination is ready to help educate and equip congregations. It's ready to help congregations be like the tree in Psalm 1. You heard Peter read it, and I hope you listened. The writer sings about the blessedness of being close to God through spending time with the Torah, and through that, receiving the strength and the path to be like a sturdy tree, always healthy, always bearing fruit for the good of others. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. So, what is the Torah? Torah. What's the law? What do you think of when you hear the word Torah? Well, probably the first image that comes to our mind is of a Torah scroll that is, you know, handwritten in Hebrew and is in, and is in Jewish temples. 
And you might think of some other interpretations. Well, that's the five books of Moses, or that's the commandments. I'm indebted to James L. Mays, who wrote a commentary on the Psalms, who said this about that. Quote, Psalm 1, as an introduction, elevates Torah as a medium through which God gives and human beings receive life. Torah in Psalm 1 means instruction in the broadest sense, written tradition that is authoritative for the people of God. Specifically, Psalm 1 introduces the Psalms as Torah, as scripture to be studied, heeded, and absorbed. He continued, in the Psalms, says the directive, you may find instruction about what God is like, and how God deals with people and the world. You will be taught trust and the language of trust, prayer and praise. Through this book, he said, God will give you strength in adversity and gratitude in success, penitence in guilt, and thanksgiving in forgiveness. The Psalms compose a book of Torah, in all their styles and types, they give instruction. So when you hear the word Torah and this exhortation to take delight in and meditate on it, it does not mean you have to study Leviticus chapters 1 through 9, who are, it's all genealogy. So-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets. It's chapters of that. That doesn't mean we have to memorize this. And it does not mean we have to study all the minutia of the rituals of sacrifices and the building of the ark or the temple. It is helpful for you and me and the churches for the walking of the talk. It can be helpful for you and me when we are engaged in living with mental health challenges or helping those who are. Professor Mays also wrote, which I find even more exciting, it is from this written Torah that wisdom for the living of life can be gained. It is the medium from which one can learn the way and the will of the Lord and store up that learning in one's heart so that it shapes the structure of consciousness. This is the reason why Torah is the cause of delight, he says, because the Lord reaches, touches, and shapes the human soul through it. For this psalm, the Torah is a means of grace. A tree in good health, bearing fruit in its season with supple leaves and staying power, is that way because of its connection to, its closeness to, the streams of water by which it is planted. Can we see St. Peter's United Church of Christ as such a tree growing not in Brooklyn, but in Skokie? I think so, given that we overall welcomed John, who knew alienation and stigma elsewhere. With our imperfections, we showed love and hospitality. We received whom God had sent us. We knew from God's law that love is the way, even when love needs to say no and set boundaries upon occasion. Our open and affirming covenant 
which turns three in June, as you'll, is, you'll recall, not only affirming our welcome to and affirmation of folks in the LGBTQ plus communities, but also that, quote, all people are to be treated, loved, and welcomed equally, regardless of gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, creed, color, race, economic status, or physical slash mental ability. Why? Well, not only because of the Torah teaching us to love our neighbors, but the Genesis teaching also that we are all made in God's image. All of us are made in God's image and therefore equal in God's eyes. After passing it, at least two persons mentioned that as a reason they officially joined St. Peter's. That part of the covenant. A tree grows in Skokie, does it not? It is the medium from which one can learn the way and the will of the Lord and store up that learning in one's heart so that it shapes the structure of consciousness. This is the reason why Torah is the cause of delight, because the Lord reaches, touches, and shapes the human soul through it. For this psalm, Torah is a means of grace. When there is a sizable snowfall, some of you shovel or snow blow your neighbor's walk or the block sidewalk when you have the time. And I'll bet you do not even know all of your neighbors on the block if you have a house and can have a place to store a snowblower and stuff like that. When you take part in the Adjust Harvest offering for our turn to serve at the kitchen, giving some money so the marginalized can be fed a good meal then, that's commendable. Where does that instinct come from? Where does that compassion come from for people we don't know? There are times you'll hear a terrible story of pain and difficulty or fear, and you might be moved to tell her or him that you will pray for them, and not all of us do that as easily as others do. But where does that come from? The streams of water, which are not water. It is the medium from which one can learn the way and the will of the Lord and store up that learning in one's heart so that it shapes the structure of consciousness. This is the reason why Torah is the cause of delight, because the Lord reaches, teaches, and touches and shapes the human soul through it. For this psalm, Torah is a means of grace. You and I wore a mask before and maybe after being fully vaccinated, and most of us have only, if we have been fully vaccinated, it's not been very long. Because your faith, founded in Torah and the teachings of Jesus, instill in our hearts and minds the fact that we need to take care of each other. You and I get new clean underwear for adults in the night ministry. Baby and new mom needs for the township pantry. Work hard for the rummage and bake sale, etc. Why? Is it because we're just nice giving people? Or are we at St. Peter's like a tree planted by the living waters of God's word, touching and changing us so we weather storms, always bear fruit, 
and have healthy leaves which wither not. This word, this Torah, gives us life. We delight in it, for it makes us who we are. Some trees see the fruit they bear as reflecting our Bibles and covenants belief that we are all made in the image of God. When someone's rights are diminished, then, when someone's dignity is impugned, what response should that get from trees of God? When state legislators, legislatures pass laws that make it harder for folks in our country to exercise their right to vote, which women and men have died to defend in advance, and which often affect people working two or three jobs to make a living and or people of color and the elderly, is there a helpful theology behind those civic actions? Or is the helpful theology to say, no, do not remove those practices which honor the image of God in those, excuse me, I missed a line. Do not remove those practices in place currently which honor the image of God in people eligible to vote and who may be struggling enough already to get to vote. If you do, our faith tells us than to try to change the new ones. There's no love of neighbor in those rules. There's no doing justice or loving kindness or walking humbly with God there. We're all made in the image of God. From studying the prophets and the Psalms, as well as the rest of Torah, workers for fairness and against unfairness find inspiration in Torah because it is the medium from which one can learn the way and the will of the Lord and store up that learning in one's heart so that it shapes the structure of consciousness. That is the reason why Torah is the cause of delight, because the Lord reaches, touches, and shapes the human soul through it. Will such trees also grow in Skokie? Will we spend the effort to dig deep into Scripture and... Let scripture dig deeply into us. As Michael Card sang of the way of wisdom in the Bible, wisdom did not come to simply speak the word of truth. He's the word that makes us true. The word of God that tells us the way and will of God, that we store it up in our hearts so that it shapes the structure of our consciousness. The word through which the Lord reaches, touches, and shapes the human soul. And we delightfully become a bearer of good works fruit, a tree that grows in Skokie. And that's good news. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast. Oh, a different way to think about the church and how the church uh, stays healthy and strong to help others. Next week is Pentecost, Sunday, May 23rd. And that's always an exciting day and an opportunity for a sermon to go in a whole bunch of different directions. So I'll look forward to that. And I hope you will too. My appreciation once again, and may God bless your week. Bye.
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. Oh, a different way to think about the church and how the church uh, stays healthy and strong to help others. Next week is Pentecost, Sunday, May 23rd. And that's always an exciting day and an opportunity for a sermon to go in a whole bunch of different directions. So I'll look forward to that. And I hope you will too. My appreciation once again. And may God bless your week. Bye.